What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. A stark government warning today that we could suffer through another COVID surge if Americans do not keep up the pace of getting vaccinated. The lead starts right now. Better safe than sorry, Dr. Fauci admits that CDC guidance on kids outside at summer camp might be a bit strict, but to keep those masks on anyway, at least for now. Still reduced to just blogging, former President Trump remains banned from Facebook, but that ban may not be long for this world. Plus, fewer people have been traveling because of COVID, but more people are making quite a scene in the not-so-friendly skies. What's causing people to lose their minds on planes? Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We start with our health lead today. It can be done. Today, the Biden administration insisting that while the president's new vaccination goal is a stretch, they have confidence it can happen. But... Just hours after President Biden announced his target for 70 percent of American adults to have at least one dose of the COVID vaccine by the 4th of July, the United States recorded another drastic decline in the number of daily COVID vaccinations, falling below one million shots in arms yesterday for the first time in months. Now the nation's top doctors are warning another virus surge is still quite possible. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky saying today she believes we could see more dangerous variants emerge and a potential winter spike in cases, still a possibility, as CNN's Alexandra Field reports. I wanted to sit out and wait to see the effects it had on everyone. It only gets harder from here. We knew that we would have uh, a lot of supply by the end of April, early May, but we also knew that this would be the time that we had people who were more hesitant. Shots and arms falling to fewer than a million yesterday for the first time since February. The average daily number of vaccinations under 2.2 million, down from highs of 3 to 4 million. Accordingly, the White House's vaccination goal, 70% of adults getting their first dose and 160 million adults fully vaccinated by July 4th, is more modest than the first 100 days. It's an achievable goal. It's a stretch goal, but it's an achievable goal. Walgreens stores, as of today, offering walk-in appointments among the 40,000 pharmacy locations asked to do that. Herd immunity has almost become sort of like a mythical creature, like a, uh, like a unicorn, and except no one knows what it looks like. Our goal is to get as many people vaccinated as we can. Experts warning that at current vaccination levels, we could still see another surge in the winter. I think we have to be humble with, with this virus. I think um, we have variants ahead of us. We have, you know, not full immunity in this population yet. The head of the CDC says within the next two weeks, there could be a green light to start vaccinating children as young as 12. But there are questions about the CDC guidance on social distancing and masks for kids at summer camps. It looks a bit strict, a bit stringent, but that's the reason why they keep looking at that and trying to, you know, reevaluate literally in real time whether or not that's the practical way to go. What we're really trying to avoid in this camp guidance is what we saw in outbreaks and camps last summer. Nationwide new infections have dropped again, the daily average down 10% since last week, and more states are opening up. Three Vegas casinos now operating at full capacity. Indiana welcoming back its state fair this summer. And Missouri's state workers heading back to the office on May 17th. The governor saying it's time to take this step toward normalcy for ourselves and the people of Missouri.
And Jake, we're also seeing more and more businesses and companies stepping up trying to offer freebies and other promos to encourage people to get vaccinated. Well, you can now add tickets to the list. Right here in New York, the Mets and the Yankees are offering Johnson Johnson shots at the stadium plus free tickets to the game. The NFL also doing a giveaway of 50 Super Bowl tickets to fans who share their stories about why they got the shot. Jake? All right, Alexander Field, thanks so much. Joining us now to discuss, Dr. Jonathan Reiner, professor of medicine at GW University. Dr. Reiner, new data published by the CDC shows a really sharp decline in how many vaccine doses were administered Monday and Tuesday of this week. Levels we have not seen since February. Now, to be clear, this is not because there aren't enough doses available. It's because people aren't getting them. Do you worry that this pace is dropping off too quickly? Dr. Uh, Reiner appears frozen. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Dr. Reiner's computer on the fritz. Uh, Stay with us. We're back and continuing with our health lead. The CDC director warning today of another surge uh, of possibly new variants if Americans do not keep up the pace of getting vaccinated. Joining me now again is Dr. Jonathan Reiner, professor of medicine at GW University. Dr. Reiner, you're going to have to get uh, GW to get one of those broadband broadband infrastructure uh, uh, benefits from the transportation bill, if that ever or the, the infrastructure bill, if that ever passes. But let's let's move on to the subject in hand. New data published by the CDC shows uh, shows a really sharp decline in how many vaccine doses were administered Monday and Tuesday. Levels we haven't seen since February. This is not because the doses are not available. It's because people aren't getting the vaccine. How concerned should we all be about this? Well, I think we should be concerned, but we always knew that the final, you know, 30 percent or so of this country were going to be the the hardest uh, group uh, to reach. We have vaccinated nearly all of our highest risk people. Well over 80 percent of folks in this country over the age of 65 have received a vaccination. Now the challenge is to get to young people and we have to be creative. We're not going to be able to do it through mass vaccination events. We're going to have to do it really on the grassroots level. I love the announcement that uh, Major League Baseball teams, including my beloved Yankees, are going to start vaccinating people at the beginning of games. We already heard that uh, NFL is going to do promotions in their stadiums. Uh, And we need to do all kinds of things like this. And I particularly like the idea of getting vaccine now into primary care physicians uh, and practitioners offices so that we can vaccinate folks, you know, one by one as they come in now. This is how we're going to uh, to get to uh, the president's you know goal of about seventy uh, percent. You know we have to vaccinate about thirty million people more to do that. Right now we're a little less than a million people per day, uh, but we're dropping as you said about ten percent per week. So it'll be close, but I, I do think the president will exceed the goal of seventy uh, percent uh, adults with at least one shot by July fourth. I mean, should should medical centers be going to places where there are skeptics? Uh going to bars, going to churches, setting up booths, going to where the skeptics are or the people who haven't uh, gotten uh, vaccinated yet, going to where they are. Uh, Might that be a part of the solution? Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. Uh, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, I used to say that you need to reach voters where they are, not where you want them to be. And that's exactly how I feel about uh, vaccinating people. We need to reach out to them where they are, not get them to come to uh, uh, get them to come to us. So we need uh, mobile units. Uh, frankly, this is where the J&J vaccine really finds a big niche where you can reach people. Maybe you're only going to uh, get to give them one shot. Uh, but we need to be very flexible and we need to leave n- no one behind. 
And all of this starts by asking people what their reluctance is, uh, answering questions, and, and understanding that people have legitimate questions, but these vaccines are now showing themselves to be not just spectacularly effective, but also remarkably safe. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll get there. CDC Director Walensky uh, warned today that a winter surge of coronavirus is possible. Uh, do you agree? Um, w- what steps does the U.S. need to take now to avoid that beyond just stepping up vaccinations? Getting a, getting a ton of, of shots into arms, vaccinating as many people as we can, getting close to what you know, we've been calling uh, herd immunity. And also, I won't be surprised if come fall there's a booster shot that uh, everyone uh, already vaccinated uh, gets maybe customized to whatever uh, variant appears to be coming or dominant in the United States. Uh, look, this is going to be an ongoing battle. We're really winning now, but it's not like come fall, we're just going to be putting this behind us like last year's wardrobe. We're going to have to continue to, to be vigilant and fight this uh, going forward. Having said that, uh, very soon we're going to reach about 60% of adults in the United States who have been vaccinated. And that's where the curve plummeted in places like Israel and the United Kingdom. So over the next few weeks, we're going to start to see deaths in the United States drop dramatically. Having said that, come fall, we're going to need to be vigilant for any resurgence. Uh, I know pharmaceutical companies are working on boosters uh, to address new variants. You know, this is an ongoing thing. All right, Dr. Jonathan Reiner, thanks so much. Turning now to our tech lead. My pleasure. Today, former President Trump uh, called the decision by a Facebook oversight board to keep him off Facebook, at least for now, quote, a total disgrace. But today's decision might really only be temporary. The board said the suspension of Trump from Facebook after the insurrection was justified, but they did not defend having it be indefinite. So the ball is back in the court of Facebook itself and ultimately CEO Mark Zuckerberg to decide within six months whether or not to reactivate Trump's account and possibly renew his access to his 32 million followers. That kind of reach, obviously, and the the power to silence it so easily has critics calling out today's decision. Let's bring in CNN's Donny O'Sullivan. Uh, Donny, so this was uh, a nuanced, some might say muddled ruling. Uh, They basically said it was okay to ban him, just not forever, right? That's correct. So the board said that Facebook acted correctly in the days immediately after the insurrection because they said there was an imminent uh, potential for further violence and that Trump's account and the way he was posting there uh, could be used to incite that. But they said that Facebook basically does not have the policies or the rules or had an adequate explanation to make this ban permanent. And that is what they've told Facebook to say, you now have six months from today to make a decision and to frankly write these rules. But Jake, this is a lose-lose situation for Facebook because no matter what they do here, they're going to get slammed from either side. And it's really a win-win for Trump because if he can get back on Facebook, he will have his platform and very, very importantly, going into next year's midterms, a fundraising platform. Um, and But if he doesn't get put back on Facebook, he will be able to also campaign and fundraise on the basis that he is being censored by big tech. Now, Donnie, we should note before I ask this next question, consistently, the top 10 articles shared on Facebook are from conservative outlets. Consistently, whether it's Fox News or Ben Shapiro, whatever, consistently, conservatives have their material shared on, on, on Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. But let me ask you, some of the backlash over today's decision is coming from Senate Republicans who uh, insist on, on saying that conservatives are, are censored. Senator Josh Hawley tweeted, quote, here's a real life example of the tyranny of big tech. 
a fake Facebook court decides Facebook can do whatever Facebook wants. From Senator Rick Scott, we heard, quote, big tech thinks it can control everything. Senator Marsha Blackburn wrote, quote, it's clear that Mark Zuckerberg views himself as the arbiter of speech. So free speech issues are on the table, um, even for Republicans who generally have previously argued private companies should get to run their own companies however they want. Yeah, look, I mean, Facebook has been Facebook has been crying out for regulation. They want Congress to act. They want some laws that they can act within the perimeters of because it would make their job easier. But obviously, uh, you know, there is the political appetite there for to to touch the regulation of speech and particularly for good reason, of course, with the First Amendment. Um, As you mentioned, look, conservative content, Republican content goes viral on Facebook every single day. But the concerns that some of those Republican lawmakers bring up about Facebook's power, that's stuff that's also been echoed even by Angela Merkel's uh, spokesperson, German Chancellor, who said that it was concerning that a company like Facebook could deplatform a then sitting president of the United States. So there is a legitimate conversation to be had here about Facebook's power, whether that leads to meaningful regulation or laws. Uh, that's a different issue entirely. Absolutely. Tony O'Sullivan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Turning now to our politics lead, former President Trump is officially endorsing New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik to replace Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney as a member of House Republican leadership. Cheney essentially is being purged because she refused to lie about the 2020 election and the January 6th insurrection. Stefanik, on the other hand, is a fierce Trump loyalist. She not only has been willing to spread the big lie, She voted to disenfranchise nearly 7 million Pennsylvanians after the insurrection based on those lies. Let's get right to CNN's Ryan Nobles. Uh, So, Ryan, uh, what does Mr. Trump have to say? Well, not surprisingly, Jake, he's taking somewhat of a victory lap because of what appears to be the fate that has been sealed for Liz Cheney in her role as the number three ranking House Republican. And in case there's any a Republican in the House of Representatives that's going to attempt to argue that it is not because of Cheney's attacks of the former president uh, and his peddling of the big lie, uh, Trump himself is making it clear that that is the reason why. This is what he said in a statement earlier today. Warmonger Liz Cheney, who has virtually no support left in the great state of Wyoming, continues to unknowingly and foolishly say there was no election fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Never give up. So the point we're making here is that Trump himself is drawing the line here, that if you're going to support him and his vision of the Republican Party, then you need to adopt the big lie that there was actually rampant fraud in the presidential election, fraud that could amount to him actually being the winner. We know that's not true. We know that there have been numerous Republican officials in states across the country that have pushed back on that. But what we're seeing here, Jake, is the Republican Party that just a few weeks ago was willing to allow Liz Cheney to be honest about what happened in 2020, hold on to her leadership post, they've now completely abandoned her. And that is because of the influence that the former president has over his party and one that he will continue to have for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's, uh, purging the truth tellers from House Republican leadership. Ryan, thanks so much. President Biden was asked today about the attempt to remove Cheney. CNN's Caitlin Collins is live at the White House. Uh, Caitlin, uh, you spoke to Biden. What did he have to say? Well, Jake, he said he's baffled by what's happening in the Republican Party. President Biden told us he is someone, of course, who has been in politics for decades. He's seen a lot of fights, he says, in the Democratic Party even. But he told us he's never seen anything like this. Seems as though the Republican Party is trying to identify what it stands for. And they're in the midst of a significant uh, sort of mini-revolution going on in the Republican Party. Um, 
I've been a Democrat for a long time. We've gone through periods where we've had internal fights and disagreements. I don't ever remember any like this. I think the Republicans are further away from trying to figure out who they are and what they stand for than I thought they would be at this point. Now, Jake, President Biden also told us he thinks it's healthy to have a two-party system, good to have a debate. He thinks that's really important. Uh, but basically saying that's not what's happening right now, saying that the Republican Party is struggling to find its identity in this post-Trump world now that there is no Trump in Washington. But, of course, he is still looming over the party pretty large. But where all of this could get interesting is remember that President Biden has invited the leadership of Congress to the White House next week on May 12th. So that will not only be Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, but Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy as well. And, Jake, that meeting is scheduled to happen the same day that that vote on whether Cheney is going to stay in leadership could happen as well. All right, Caitlin Collins, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Big business versus the big lie. Major corporations lining up against new voter restriction efforts in Texas, telling Republicans that it could cost them if they sign on. Drinking, brawling, belly aching about wearing masks. Airlines have had it with the spike in passengers behaving badly, they say. The new details from the FAA, first on CNN. That's ahead. Welcome back. Continuing in our politics lead, former President Trump wants Congresswoman Elise Stefanik to replace Congresswoman Liz Cheney in Cheney's leadership position. That vote to purge Cheney, all but certain to happen on May 12th. The reason they are purging Liz Cheney is pretty clear cut. House Republican leaders McCarthy and Scalise have decided to go all in on the big lie about the election and Stefanik's on board. Cheney has the quaint notion that Lying to the American public is not good. Let's discuss. Congresswoman Mia Love. So your former colleague, Elise Stefanik, she has the support of Trump, McCarthy, Scalise. Is this race over? Is Liz Cheney gone? Well, uh, you know, it's really interesting how people are defining conservatism now. If you look at the records of both of them, you look at Lifetime um, cons- American Conservative Action, a Conservative Union, Cheney has 78% conservative rating, where Stefanik has 44%. You look at Heritage Action, Cheney has 80%, where Stefanik has um, 42%. It's really quite interesting to me because this is not a disagreement on policy. It's not a disagreement on ideas. It's a disagreement on a former president that incited an insurrection on the Capitol, literally attacked a branch of government. So I just don't understand what type of message. There's so much that they could be focused on right now in terms of like spending, in terms of all of the um, programs that the president wants to put out there. This is the chance for the Republicans to say, look, it's too much too fast. Focus on what's happening with the economy and, and what's happening with the debt instead of trying to eat each other up. It's just ridiculous to me. And, and Paul, I guess... We all know what this is. I mean, Congresswoman Love just put it pretty clearly. It, it's not about, I mean, Cheney is more conservative, not only more conservative than, than Stefanik. She's pro- arguably more conservative than, than McCarthy and Scalise, um, who are leading the, the cause for the purge. Certainly more conservative than Donald Trump. Um, but this is about fealty to Trump and his lies. Uh, I guess, Paul, if you wonder, does this matter beyond Washington, D.C.? Is this something that voters will care about? Let's say a moderate Republican voter who decided to take a chance and go for Joe Biden last fall. Is this something that will matter to them? 
I think it can. And I, I think Mia makes a really good point in that it, it can matter to voters, but it can also distract them from issues Republicans should want to run on. You know, it, I, I just think parties exist for two reasons, right? To advance ideas and to win elections. Uh, Ms. Stefanik voted against the Trump tax cut. I happen to agree with that, but I'm pretty liberal and I wouldn't feel very comfortable in the Republican Party. But she's much more liberal than most of her Republican colleagues, yet they don't care because she's swearing this uh, oath to Trump. So they're not pushing ideas anywhere. They didn't even have a platform in the last elections. Never happened in American history. Now, winning elections is the other job. If Trump helped them do that, I would understand that. And I'd respect it. He doesn't. Trump is the first president since Hoover to preside over his party losing the White House, the House, and the Senate. That's a hat trick that is very hard to do. It's 90 years since anybody has lost all three in just a four-year span. Yeah. So he doesn't help them win. The truth is they have a they have history on their side. They, they get to draw the maps in redistricting. They're passing these voter suppression laws, which I know we'll get to. So they have a lot of structural advantages. They don't need Trump. In fact, Trump is a disadvantage. So I don't under, it's, a, it's just a personality cult and maybe a political death cult. And what's also strange about this, um, uh, Mia, is uh, today Trump, uh, in his uh, press release and on his, uh, on his blog, went after Cheney, calling her a, a warmonger. He also attacked Mike Pence for not overturning the election, which Pence did not have the power to do. And McConnell for losing the Georgia runoff, so though arguably Trump had much more of, an, a, a, of a disadvantage. Uh, he, he caused much more disadvantage for the Republicans than McConnell did. I, I mean, what, what, what occurs to me here is that Trump doesn't just want people to buy in on this one lie about the election or the second lie about the insurrection. It's a whole universe of lies. What You have to walk in and you have to believe that, like, Oh, yeah, Mike Pence had the power to overturn the election, and Mitch McConnell's the reason they lost Georgia. It's, it never ends. It's, it's a whole movement that you can never be 100% with the president on. And the problem is, is he requires 100% um, loyalty. And so that's what's really interesting to me. So let's take this, let's, let's take this idea that he believes, which he does, believes that the election was stolen from him. Instead of using his money to, and his voice to attack other Republicans, why not go in and actually try to fix some of the things that you claim are wrong? But that's not what he's doing at all. And yes, I do believe that Trump helps in some areas. I think he actually, this is about money. This is about being able to raise funds. And I think there's going, there's, there's a cost to that. Yeah. You know, what you're doing is you're sticking with the president, but in the meantime, the ideas that you're supposed to be pushing out, the ideas that Americans believe in, some of those Republican ideals are getting lost and the conference is getting torn apart. And so you have to ask yourself, is he worth that? And I don't think he is. Paul, um, today McConnell said that 100 percent of his focus is on stopping the Biden administration. Um, here's what Vice President Harris had to say about that. Take a listen. We are sincere and, 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 and serious about... Uh, what the potential to actually get something done together. Um, we believe it's possible, and um, we're not going to give up on that until it becomes evident that it's not possible. Is it possible, Paul? Well, anything is possible. Uh, I, as Cory Booker likes to say, I'm a prisoner of hope. Uh, but McConnell is running the same playbook he ran very successfully against President Obama in President Obama's first term. I'm not sure that the same thing works now. Uh, for a couple of reasons. First, 
people really, really like what Biden is doing. They like getting $1,400 in their checking account. They, mm-hmm. they like being able to see their children and grandchildren again without having to wear masks because they got their arms around this uh, COVID crisis. They like what Biden is doing. And so when, when McConnell leads his team to oppose all of these things, yeah. some of which Trump was for, my goodness, Trump wanted $2,000 checks in right. everybody's pocket too. Uh, I don't think that it's a smart strategy politically for him. And, and I think the vice president is right to want to continue to leave the door open to, to principled compromise with Republicans. Feigning the desire to be bipartisan is always a good strategy, at least in the few, first few <laughs> months. Uh, Mia and Paul, stay with us. I want to turn now to Texas where corporate giants such as American Airlines and Microsoft and HP aren't injecting themselves into the debate over new proposed voting restrictions that would make it more difficult for Texans to vote. Let's go to CNN's. Diane Gallagher in Austin, Texas. Diane, these companies are on a list of some 50 businesses and associations urging Texas lawmakers to oppose these new voting restrictions. They don't say they're targeting Republican legislators, but it seems like that that's who they're talking to. Well, I mean, the Republican lawmakers in Texas are the only ones proposing and voting for these bills. So it seems pretty clear who this is directed at. Now, a difference between what we saw happen with businesses, say, in Georgia and what's happening here in Texas is they're getting their word out. They're speaking out before final votes are taken and any of these dozens of bills can be signed into law, including these election overhaul proposals, one of which is getting a debate on the House floor here in Austin tomorrow. Now, we're talking about a whole host of changes here, including increasing criminal penalties for voters and election officials for different parts of the process, like sending out ballots, uh, applications to people unsolicited, uh, empowering partisan poll workers, adding new restrictions to mail-in voting, which is already very restrictive in the state of Texas, and banning things like drive-through and 24-hour voting that were used in large counties to make ballot access better, especially during the pandemic. Now, I want to read part of what that letter from those corporations said. They said, quote, we stand together as a nonpartisan coalition calling on all elected leaders in Texas to support reforms that make democracy more accessible and oppose any changes that would restrict eligible voters access to the ballot. Now, Jake, of course, Republicans in Texas say that's not what they're doing, that they're simply trying to promote uniformity and secure a ballot, though they've still not been able to produce any sort of demonstrable fraud that happened in 2020 that they're trying to fix or protect voters from. All right, Nicole, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, Diane, I mean, uh, thanks so much. Um, Paul, you're from Texas. Is this push uh, from big business going to work? Well, I, I am from Texas. I have vast and deep uh, contacts there. And so I, I called them. Uh, I called, in fact, the most brilliant uh, young communications director for State Senator Sarah Eckhart from Austin. Just a perfect guy. Uh, handsome. My son, Billy. Billy says these corporations are not only signing letters, they're sending their lobbyists to go talk to members. Dell Computers, one of the massive uh, Texas corporations, a huge employer in that state, highly respected. They're sending their lobbyists to talk to members. So they're not just uh, signing a, a, a nice letter. They're weighing in. And uh, it's, it's, it's slowed down the bill in the House. Uh, Diane's right. They're going to hear it tomorrow on the, on the House floor. But I, I, I hear that it's having some effect. Will it be outcome determinative? Hard to say. Congresswoman Love, I have to ask you, I mean, Texas uh, had a very successful election uh, last November. There was yeah. no 
uh, reported uh, major incidents or even minor incidents, as far as I can tell, of any fraud that would have affected one, one thing or another, one election or another. Not only that, Republicans did incredibly well. They, they won seats uh, that, that Democrats had. What is the reason for this? Well, I think that any time a state wants to um, fix or tweak uh, the ability to vote, that that's okay. I mean, Utah actually changed all of its laws to all vote by mail, and that's been good by and large. I, I find it really interesting that a lot of people don't even, you know, they don't they don't like that. But it's you want to always focus on giving people more access, more time, more location, and any voting uh, laws that are changed should be geared towards that. I mean, when you start throwing in, you can't provide water at the um, polling locations. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But any state that moves towards giving people more access, more time, more ability, more locations to vote, then that's good. And so I'm going to wait and see what they're going to do. But I think these businesses um, going in and saying this is what we want, um, uh, that they want fair voting. I think that that's good. And I think that more people should weigh in and say and keep an eye on the state legislature and make sure that they're doing right by the by uh, Texans. Congresswoman Mia Love, Paul Begala, thanks to both of you. Appreciate it. Coming up in a CNN exclusive, we asked the Ukrainian foreign minister about Rudy Giuliani. Does he think that the ex-president's lawyer broke any laws? Stay with us. In our world lead, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is about to touch down in Kiev, Ukraine. There's a lot on the diplomatic agenda. And so far, the United States has not made it easy for Ukraine. Ukraine, of course, was thrust into the spotlight during the 2019 impeachment trial of former President Trump. Now that country is figuring out its role in a possible Biden-Putin summit, Russia's continued land grabbing and military bullying of Ukraine, and the U.S. Attorney's investigation into Rudy Giuliani. CNN's Matthew Chance had an exclusive sit-down with the Ukrainian foreign minister to find out more about what's on his wish list and Ukraine's potential involvement in the Giuliani investigation. Ahead of the Secretary of State's visit, his Ukrainian counterpart is putting his best fist forward. There are uncomfortable issues in the U.S.-Ukrainian relationship like the activities in Ukraine of Rudy Giuliani, former President Trump's personal lawyer, ahead of the 2020 U.S. election, issues Ukrainian officials would prefer to ignore. Do you believe he may have engaged in criminal behavior? Well, I'm not a lawyer to make my uh, judgment on the criminal nature uh, uh, of his behavior. Or How would you characterize it? Or the absence, but uh, he was definitely playing politics. And uh, uh, he put the situation at risk for Ukraine uh, and for Ukraine's relationship with the United States. And we did our best to avoid that trap and uh, to maintain that bipartisan security with, with, uh, with uh, uh, bipartisan support uh, from the United States. But Ukraine is again under withering scrutiny, with the FBI investigating the former New York City mayor his alleged actions regarding Ukraine. Can you tell us, has the FBI or any other investigating agency in the United States approached Ukraine for assistance with that investigation into Rudy Giuliani? Uh, not to the best of my knowledge. I'm not aware of uh, any 
uh, formal legal, legal process that has been initiated recently. Even if there was, Ukraine has for years desperately avoided being drawn into the toxic U.S. political battle. In fact, as the U.S. Secretary of State pays his first visit here, Ukrainian officials want their own battles to be the focus, especially with a Russian armada assembling off their eastern seaboard. Kremlin insists is a naval drill, posing no threat. And CNN has learned Ukraine has a shopping list of weapons it wants from Washington, including air defense systems and anti-sniper tech, crucial, say officials, with so many Ukrainian troops being gunned down on these front lines. The question is, will Secretary Blinken and President Biden, who says he wants to find a stable path with Russia, offering Putin a summit later this year, risk inflaming Russia-Ukraine tensions? In the Obama administration, when Biden was the vice president, they didn't even provide lethal weaponry to Ukraine for fear of provoking Russia. What do you think's changed? Has anything changed? Uh, my impression is that Obama administration is about the past and Biden administration is about today. And uh, this administration is uh, more committed and more resolved and more resolute in, in containing Russia. How far that US resolve extends in Ukraine will soon be put to the test. Well, Jake, Secretary Blinken arrives here in the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, tonight. In the next couple of hours, Ukrainian officials say the fact that he's coming here at all sends a powerful message to Russia about US support. But... There is that summit being planned later this year between President Biden and President uh, Putin of Russia. And so there's a nagging feeling among some Ukrainians I've spoken to in this city that it's really Russia, not Ukraine, that's Washington's higher priority. Jake. All right, Matthew Chance, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Coming up, passengers behaving terribly on planes, allegedly taking swings at flight attendants. The rap sheet just out from the FAA. Stay with us. In our national lead, with more Americans flocking to airports, airlines are reporting more incidents of unruly passengers. And we're not only talking about people refusing to wear masks during a deadly pandemic. Many passengers are not even behaving with basic decency. CNN aviation correspondent Pete Montine has information just released by the Federal Aviation Administration in a story you're seeing first right here on CNN. It is the newest issue facing pandemic-era air travel. Flyers flying off the handle. The Federal Aviation Administration has received 1,300 reports of unruly passengers in the last three months alone. CNN obtained federal reports of four new cases where passengers are accused of berating, grabbing, and hitting flight attendants. One report alleges a passenger on a February JetBlue flight threw everything from insults to food to bottles of illegal booze, causing the flight to turn around. He is now facing a $32,000 fine. I know we all do some messed up things when, you know, little alcohol gets in us. A California woman apologized after video surfaced of her jumping the ticket counter in Miami. 
The FAA says reports of unruly passengers used to come in every few days. Now it says flight crews are calling in issues multiple times a day. FAA Administrator Steve Dixon instituted a zero-tolerance policy, in part because of problem passengers traveling to the Capitol riots. We will not address these cases through warnings or counseling. The FAA says it's even investigating an Alaska state senator who was banned from Alaska Airlines for refusing to wear a mask, though she claimed to have an unspecified exemption. In another new case, the FAA fined a combative passenger on a January flight $16,000 for allegedly hitting one of the flight attendants with his bags. The head of the largest association of flight attendants says help from the federal government is essential. It means everything to have that backing and to send a very clear message to travelers that these are the rules and these are the consequences if you don't comply. This uptick is disproportionate to the number of people flying right now, which is still way down compared to before the pandemic. Of those 1,300 reports, the FAA has now assessed fines in 13 cases, and it acknowledges there's still a lot of work to do. Jake? All right, Pete Montine, thanks so much. Trump has made his pick to purge Congresswoman Liz Cheney from Republican leadership. You might remember her from previous lies she has told about the election. Stay with us. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max. A new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.